Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. So God, as we just open our eyes, we open our eyes and allow you to move right now. Man, we've had some intense worship already and we thank you for that. But what we know is there's a people here that are literally, that just need to open their eyes for the first time. And they need to understand that the bride, the church, is alive and well when we are as one, when we're together. So God, that's my prayer. Over the next little bit, we just allow ourselves to just to be leaning in and leaning in and allow you to move. And so God, just uh, I'm, I'm praying over my friends here this morning. We're asking for favor over the message and the word. And we just celebrate the fact that we're going to see some life change here in a minute. God, thank you so much for this time and this opportunity. In your name, amen. Would you guys have a seat? Hey, welcome to the loft, and uh, this is going to be a good day. I don't know if you're ready for this or not, but this is literally some of the most exciting days in the loft, and we enjoy these days. Um, and if I've never met you, my name is Jason. Thanks for joining us. And for those who are joining online, we just want to say hello, welcome. Um, thanks for connecting with us as we just pick up where we left off last week of this big idea of we, not me, we, not me. And so for those who do not understand what we, not me is, uh, last week we sort of got into this little mini series in between uh, where we finished off with another series and moving into the summer. And so we, we just really wanted to challenge people with some significant words that Jesus said that are really game changers. And in my opinion, they're the most two challenging words in the entire gospel. And those two words are simply put, follow, well, come on, say it with me, church, me. Yeah, that's right. Follow me. The most hardest words we can possibly do. It doesn't say just a little bit, just on Sundays. It literally means follow him to the very ends of the age. And so that's where we camped out last week, and we, we talked about words to live by. But today we're going to dive just a little bit deeper into this idea of what church is when we're together. And I know it's a loaded question, right? If you go out and ask people, I guarantee it on the street, and if you ask what the church is to people, you're going to get all types of answers. Even this week, man, I got answers from I hate the church, you know, and the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of gossipers. I've heard every, the church is lovely. The church is a steeple. The church is a place. I had all kinds of people explain to me what their church is. And where you may be sitting, where you may be sitting is because your environment that you grew up in in church. And maybe a little bit of your history, your story, and where there's freedom to raise your hands and you just experience church that way versus the person who is very reverent and is just, this is, this, is, this is not my church. And that's okay but because I want you to lean in to understand one thing. When we are together, we are the church. All right? When we are together, we are the church. The church is not a place or a style. It's you. And that's the way Jesus designed it, okay? So as we jump, jump into this, you know, I'm excited, all right? I'm already pumped up a little bit. But next week, I encourage you to come back. And if you're encouraged, join us for Memorial Day weekend as we finish off this. Uh, and I promise you, you're, you're not going to, you know, you're going to walk away. I promise you'll walk away just like, wow, that's what it's really all about. It's about reaching people for Christ. It, that's it. It's about reaching people for Christ. That's why we are stronger together and moving in the same direction with the church. And especially, especially as we send off and send out 
our teams that are going to be moving around this summer in our local areas. Imagine like going on a mission trip for the entire summer. Most people are like, ah, I've always wanted to do that. Well, you can do that right here. You know, it's not just one week or, or something like that. Or we have some things called VBS and stuff. It, no, it's nothing like that. It's, it's the entire summer. You're going to be camping out, loving on people, and investing your time and resources into people here in our local community. And I promise you, it will change your life forever. And so I want to encourage you to do that. If you're interested in doing that, hey, check out the connection point back here. Connect with me or one of our other leaders. I promise you we'll get you pointed in the right direction. Maybe you even got a piece of paper on the way in that describes some of those events. Go contact those leaders. There's a telephone number on there. That's why I put it on there. You're bugging, bugging me or calling me because I'll be like, I don't know. But contact those leaders. I promise you they'll know what's going on. And so if you're looking to serve, we want you to be a part. If you're looking to be a part of the church, we want you to engage because that's what makes us better together. And so uh, that, that's my little um, uh, spill for the, 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 the summer blitz this morning. But I promise you, today's going to be amazing um, because God has already done some things in people's hearts for, for, for some, some people, even just sharing their testimony. I just want to just quickly share one quick thing that I, as I found out even this morning, um, you know, Facebook is a powerful tool. And social media is a powerful tool. And when you decide to share something that's significant, people lean in, right? They lean in and like, well, yeah, that's, that's pretty profound. That's, wow, I didn't know he was that smart. You know, I mean, some people, let's just be honest, right? You're just like, those are not his words. He stole them from somebody, right? You know, but the truth is, you know, when you start to share your Jesus story and you start to share how Christ is coming alive in your life, well, that just, people lean into those things and they start to check it out. They start to look, whoa. I didn't know that. Well, that's my story, or that's me. And the next thing you know, that, that little, little small blog turns into like a long paragraph or maybe an, even a page letter, and then people start to chime and say, man, I'm proud of you, or that's my story. I'm in tears. And, and I found out even one of the people going public this morning, her, her cousin accepted Christ last night because of her posting that on Facebook. And man, I'm telling you, share your story. Share your story because that's what Jesus wants you to do, man. And that is what it's all about right there. I mean, we're, we could wrap it up right there and call it a day, but that, I got some more stuff to go. So, you know, uh, you know, God is just literally moving hearts left and right. And I'm excited to share that because we're going to share in what is happening over here with Believer's Baptism here in a minute. And I think he's, I think he's recreating the movement of vibrancy in the church You know, it's not about a style of denomination. It's about a vibrancy in Christ, Jesus. That's what it's about. Literally, when you come alive in Christ, there should be a vibrancy inside you about the urgency to share the gospel, the urgency to pass on the light. Because if you do not, it becomes a consumerism model of church. It becomes more about you and the style that you prefer. It becomes more about you and and how long the preacher preaches. I grew up in churches, uh, literally in this area, that we, that we, we, we focused on a clock, you know? And I saw some people, even in my, my experiences with churches, that if it wasn't over by 12, they would actually get up and leave to get the best seat at Cracker Barrel. I'm just being honest, you're right? And you're laughing, but you know it's true. You know, we, we do these sort of things, and we don't even know why we do them, because we're churched. And when you go overseas, and if you've ever had the privilege of going overseas, man, I sat on the hillside in Russia for nearly six hours on a worship moment. That Then they, went, then they had baptisms that lasted another two hours. It was amazing. It was a full day of worship, which really changed my life and perspective of understanding how to worship. 
When you go down to Central America and there's the vibrancy there of, of just worshiping God, you don't even know what they're saying, but it's okay because God's language is his language and they're loving God. And so I'm just sitting there going, I don't know, speak Spanish, but I'm singing with you and I'm just singing, you know, maybe that's the original speaking in tongues. I don't know, but I do know is it was awesome. Worship is awesome when we start to really focus in on what it can do and what the church is all about and bringing people in and understanding that there's something so much more which is Jesus. And so today, as we just sort of dive in and we get really focused, laser focused, um, we're going to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It's a, it's a great book written by the Apostle Paul, written to the, some people uh, in Ephesus. And so we're just going to really camp out on Ephesians chapter 5. And this may seem a little weird to share this passage, but I, but I want to read the passage of Scripture that typically is used for marriage and counsel and, and, and to relationships. Yet I believe there's something so much deeper in the water this morning for us to take away, not just, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural regarding the church. And so that's where I want to camp out a little bit today and, and just ask God for favor over this because uh, some of you are like, man, I, I got my spiritual bumpers up. I just, I'm not following you. I'm just asking you just to, I know you've had a tough week. I know some people have already had some challenging, and maybe you've had a challenging morning, right? And because the hair just wouldn't do what it needs to do. That's why you should do this. It just works. Uh, but it's those, those moments I'm asking just to, to drop, drop those bumpers, drop those spiritual bumpers, and just lean in to this passage. And let's just trust God to do what he does. And there's some Bibles in the back if you want. It'll be on the screen behind me. The one I encourage all the time. You've got apps, right? version app. Use that one all the time. And then the Olive Tree Bible. It's a great Bible to use. But uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. It says, Wives... Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. It says his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up himself for her to make her holy cleansing her by washing with the water through the word and to be present her, present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. After, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. That's rich, guys. That's rich right there. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And, and hey, we're in the season of marriages right now, right? And you've probably heard this passage before, and you've probably heard this, this, this at least somewhere preached, I hope, if you've been involved in church for a long time. But if you, can't, if you just lean into one more verse in verse 32, this is where it just gets really real. This is where it gets the rubber meets the road. And it says in verse 32, it says, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. 
You see, I want to take a few minutes today, and hopefully you're, you're taking notes. Uh, you see, research shows us that 98% of all of us who take notes make it to heaven, okay? Just, just being honest. So I would take some notes if I was you this morning. Uh, I want you to talk. I just want to talk to you for a few moments with, with, with this thought of the bride. You know, the bride, the bride of Christ and the church and this whole idea of we, not me, because selfishly, sometimes we come to church with this attitude of me, right? Now, I didn't get a cup of coffee because the decaf was all gone or the donuts were all out, right? Or, you know, it's me this morning. I'm selfish. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to love my neighbor. I don't want to do that. You know, it's about me. Maybe it's about the song. I, man, why did they sing that song? I wanted this song this morning. I wanted, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, or how he loves. You know, I wanted that. And we selfishly want things because it's about me, but it's not. It's about we. It's we, me and him and Christ and, and other people. And when we focus on this way, the bride comes alive in ways we've never dreamed possible. See, I'm one of the, those type of kinds of people that grew up uh, in the church. Not around the church, but honestly, in the church. Uh, there's some people here that can testify to that. I got some friends here this morning that we grew up together in church. And literally, the fourth row on the right-hand side or left-hand side, depending on how you're facing, was my pew. Literally. Me and my buddy Stephen, we took those little, got little rubber stoppers out of the thing. You put your little uh, cups in, you know, your little grape juice cups. And we rode those things back and forth until one day, one of them rode out during the sermon, all the way across in front of the pastor while he's preaching. And he just watched it move all the way across like that. And I looked at Stephen, and I went like this. And my dad knew exactly who did it because it came from my side. That was the last day I was playing with those things. Um, but it was about me. It was about me. It was about what I, I, you know, I often slept through church. Sometimes I got a little frustrated with church. But I grew up in the church. If the church doors were open, my parents had me in church. Sometimes they drug me to church. Some parents could even say, you know, my kids are on drugs because we drug them to church. That was me. You know, I grew up in the church. Everybody, everybody I get to hang out with, especially now that I'm a little older, they're like, well, I changed you when you were this little, you know, and now I'm this big. You know, it's just really weird and awkward for them to come up and still tell me that they changed my diaper. But... The truth be told, I'm thankful that it changed my diaper because I was, grew up in church and that gave my parents an opportunity to worship and they trained me what it meant to love God and love others, right? Come on now, that's, that's an amen moment. We're giving moments for Kidsville, for parents. Come on, that's the greatest thing in the world. You drop kids off there, we're going to love them. You come in here, whoo, take a break for a minute and get fed. That's what happened to my family. They, they were able to get fed, and then it just it became just a movement in our family. We, we learned what it really meant to love God and love others. And my brothers and sisters do the same thing. There were different locations all over Danville. Well, I love it. We're hitting all angles. We're hitting all lives. But hey, we made it every single Wednesday night. I remember RAs, GAs. Even when the snow, when the snow came in and, and, and it canceled schools, my mom's car still plowed through that snow to make it to church. I don't know how a bus can't, but my mom can Maybe she should be in charge of clearing the roads. I don't know. We still made it. Other days, we would find reasons to go to church just to help serve and love on people with happy hearts and other things. We, we loved on people. We did life with others. It was all because the church allowed me to experience something so much more. I don't know what your tradition was or your custom, but literally, we start, I remember starting, uh, starting by going to, to Sunday school. 
right? We went to Sunday school on Sunday mornings, and, and my friends, and I remember, you know, I remember these little things. They, these, these, and they, some of you are like, what in the world? But some of you are a little bit older, and you know exactly what I'm about to tell you, but there was these big, huge little you know, pieces of paper, and they stuck to this big, magical carpet hanging on a wall. It was crazy. You put it, and it was stuck right there. It's like the greatest thing in the world, especially when you're talking about you know, Jonah and the whale, and it, you know, the whale eats Jonah, and those big flannel graphs, right? Those are the craziest things in the world. You can move things. It's just awesome. I always often wonder if I could stick some of the short guys and stick them on the on the on the you know on the on the on the on the, on the magic carpet. Didn't work too well, um, but I remember playing with it. I remember just being a part of it. I remember getting stars and stickers for memorizing Bible verses. I remember Bible drills. I remember mission friends and, and singing songs like "I'm in the Lord's army, make me what I ought to be." You know, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons have. Fought. I remember all these songs. I remember the the, the best song, the B I B L E. See, you grew up in church too, you know? You see, you see what I'm talking about? We, we remember these things because they impacted our life for some reason, right? I remember RAs, GAs, as I'm going through a little bit older, and maybe for you as Awanas, youth groups. I remember youth group moments that you never forget, right? I remember youth group moments that I wish I could forget. Some of you are like, amen to that one. I, I, man, I whew, can't believe I did that. But maybe you, you had a funeral in a church. Maybe there was a moment that a family or relative died and, and they did the burial inside the church as far as the funeral services. Or maybe you've been wounded by the church and maybe you're hurt by the church. Or maybe you felt like you could just do your own thing and you separated from church and you pulled away from church and you decided just to do church on your own with your family or maybe just by yourself. You see, whatever it is, the thing I want to encourage is understanding we, not me. You see, eventually church can consume us no matter what level it is. And what happens, it becomes everything to you or an individual, a me. There's no longer a we. We, we sort of consume on it. We, we literally become a consumer of what God wanted us to become a contributor to because that's how it moves that's how it becomes alive. Because the church is, is not about me. It's about the person sitting beside me. It's the person sitting beside you. It's the person sitting down there on that street that is literally buying drugs every single day, trying to find hope. It's the person that's getting ready to take their last breath and their family needs support and love. You see, what I've learned about being in church for the past 40 years is that if you're not careful... Now check this now, this is a note-taking moment. If you're not careful, you can get lost and caught up in doing church and that you forget to be the church. I, I, I don't know if you heard that one very well, but I'll say it again. You can get lost and caught up in doing church and, and that you forget to be the church. And maybe you're here today and you're going, what is this whole thing with church? It seems like everyone's really excited about it and passionate about it here at Center Point. It looks different than where I'm, I'm used to and accustomed to. It just feels different, though, and I'm kind of awkward. It's spiritually awkward right now. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll first give you something that's kind of funny. But it, 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 you are three floors up, and so altitude sickness could be setting in. You know, it could be one of those moments. But the other thing, what I think it is, is probably the Holy Spirit's moving. I camp out on that one. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving right now and trying to get your attention. But why the church? Why, 
Why can't I just do this on my own? Why can't I have that moment by myself? Who says I can't? Well, 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 God came up with this whole idea with church, by the way. And you say, well, what does that word church mean, right? What does that ch- the word church mean? Well, back a long time ago, we, we, we sort of defined church. The, the Germans did it a long time ago. Kirch is the root word, and, and it means four walls. And we sort of messed some things up. It became about a building or a place. And when it initiated, it did not really mean that at all. The, the word church comes actually from the Greek word found in the New Testament, and the word is actually ekklesia. And I love the word ekklesia because it just sort of flows off like poetry. But ekklesia speaks about gatherings or assemblies. The, the better word is assemblies of believers or the ones who are following Jesus because they're stronger together as a we moving in the same direction Meaning, meaning this one, here's another note one, meaning church is not a place, but church is people. It's people moving in the same direction. Church really isn't about where, it's about who. You and I, we're called to be the church. In other words, we, not me. You say, what's the purpose of the church? Well, the purpose of the church is the capital C, not the little C. It has always been threefold. And the first thing is that in my, my mindset, where I want to go today is, is ministry unto God. The reason why we have church in the first place is I think it's because ministry unto God. That when we gather, we're ministering unto our God and, and we're to praise and bless his holy name, Jesus. When we sing, it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about us gathering, we together, singing and shouting, and, and literally, I don't care if it's traditional or it's a pipe organ or if it's, if it's a hee-haw country song. I love me some Go Tell It on the Mountain or I Am, you know, I Saw the Light, best song in the world. Right up there with, you know, some other great songs out there. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. Style's not an issue to Jesus. It's a matter of your heart. And when we're worshiping, when we're worshiping our God, how many of you know that when we praise our God, when we, when we bless our God, it changes things internally? It changes the environments and the cultures where we live. You see, the psalmist says it this way. The psalmist says it this way. He said this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name. He was on to something there. He was on to something. He was talking about the idea, I want to magnify. I want to to bless the name of God because I magnify the name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. His presence grows bigger in my life because I worship him. What are you magnifying today? You see, the the problem or the, the issue that I have found out is this word magnifying. Sometimes we magnify ourselves. It's not about Jesus. It's more about me. But when we come in here and we gather and we celebrate and we worship Jesus, he is glorified when we together raise our voices and we sing with all of our efforts and we worship. It changes the environment. One of the coolest moments that I remember here thus far is a couple, maybe a year ago, when one of our worship leaders just... She knew the words, but she was so overwhelmed with the words, she had to drop the mic and she just raised her hand. She couldn't get the verse out. Overcome. And the next thing you hear, it was so loud in here. 
because the, the, the crowd, you know, everybody just started singing. It was one of the most amazing moments. It's like, that's what heaven's going to be like. It really is. People are just going to pick up each other and just sing with them and just, man, it's just going to be awesome. I mean, it's about worshiping. Ministry unto God by worshiping together when we're we church. But it's not just ministering to God, number two. It's also about ministry, ministry to believers. Ministry to believers. And I love this because when we come to church, what am I doing right now? This, this is called preaching, right? This is this moment where I'm communicating. Preaching means to proclaim, right, the good news. The good news is Jesus Christ rose from the grave, right? And this is, this is quite different from uh, what a lot of different things that happen all across the world. What, what we're doing today is on Sunday, right? People all over the world right now are listening to someone uh, open up God's word and proclaim the truth of, of, of God. Around the world, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing, I know. The Bible talks about that there's power in preaching the gospel, the Bible says that, that, that the, the cross, it, it's, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to, to us, we that are following Jesus, it is the power of God that changes lives, that change lives. And here's what I love about God, our God, is all of us come as one. All of us can be on this different faith journey but even through where on this different faith journey, God is so big that he can speak intimately into each one of you. Every one of us are on a different journey, but he can lean in and speak to your heart. As we preach, God's words speak. I remember even talking to people who were going public, and it seems like every single time someone is being spoke to, you're like, you're speaking, how did you know? How, how did you know? That was what I was dealing with. That's not me. I didn't go talk to your husband. I didn't go talk to your family. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how he works. He intimately moves towards you when you intimately move towards him. It's the ministry to the believers. And as we speak or preach, God speaks to us. As we sing, God breathes air into us. As we move, he begins something new with us. And thirdly, thirdly, it's, it's, it's not just ministry, and it's not just ministry to believers. It's ministry to the world. It's ministry to the world. That you and I, as we gather on Sunday, we're, we're supposed to scatter for the rest of the week, and we're supposed to be the church at work, be the church at school, be the church in our neighborhoods. Just walk across the room and be the church where we work, where we live, where we play. Share your Jesus story on Facebook, social media, wherever you can do it, because that's what we're called to do. There was no plan B. We are plan A. We are the church. Share it and watch what happens. It was Jesus who said, upon this rock, I will build my house and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Don't you love the idea of Jesus giving for us here? That we're, we're to be such, such progressive moving towards these gates, such an aggressive church that we're literally rescuing people from hell and pull them over the gates of hell. I mean, come on, the, the, View the imagery with me. You're literally charging these gates with your water pistols, by the way. You're charging them, and you're just, and you're grabbing people and slinging them over, but just sharing the light of the world. And say, come on over, man. It's so much, it's cool. It's, it's cooler over here. It's comfortable. It's awesome. That's hot, right? 
little different. And we're charging the gates of hell, loving on people, pulling them out of eternal damnation. How many here want to be that type of church that's stepping out in the world and ministering to the world and rescuing people from the gates of hell? And however, what I've learned over time, especially being involved with church, is as a church, this is the truth. If you're taking notes, put this one down. Whatever we avoid, the devil will invade. Whatever we decide to avoid, because we're afraid, or that's just not me, or I got my spiritual bumpers up this morning, or my wallet's a little tight this week, I'm going to do this. Whatever we choose to avoid, the devil will invade. I'm telling you, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be ashamed. We should be bold and we should be courageous and we should step out into the night with the light of Jesus. Come on, amen? I like that. As you study God's word, what you'll find out about when it comes to the ecclesia, the church, is that there's lots of different metaphors. Paul will use this metaphor that, that we're the body of Christ, that every one of us have a function, that as we serve, we become the body of Christ. He, he talks about the idea that we're, we're building of Christ, we're being the building of Christ. And you and I, were living, living stones being laid upon one another to form a home for God to use. We are strong when we're together following Jesus. Yet, one of the most peculiar metaphors that's used in the Bible that I have always found interesting is, is that you and I, we are called the bride of Christ. And we, not me, right, are called the bride of of Christ. Have you ever wondered why we're called the bride of Christ? I know some people are really smart and they've studied this passage before, but seriously, why is the church the bride of Christ? You see, what I've learned now for years is um, my wife is beautiful, A, um, and I love her dearly, and um, she's my partner. She's my partner in life. Uh, she's everything to me, and we've been doing life since we were in college together, um, and, and she gave me a nickname, and I won't tell you my nickname in college, uh, but, but it, it, is, it, is, it is definitely a, a fun nickname that we still continue today, and she's my bear butt, so you can, you can call her that one if you want to, but uh, I, I love her dearly, and we, we've had our ups, and we've had our downs, and, and we've, we've had our go-arounds. Um, she's won some of them. Um, I thought I won others, um, but the truth be told, we, we started back in 2000, and, and we've been going strong ever since. That's 17 plus years of a relationship, and, and so, some, yeah, we can clap for that. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm still learning, you know, lost a little hair along the way, um, and, and, and some of those moments were really good, and, and some were not so good because of pride and arrogance and everything else, and not being able to say I'm sorry. Uh, but for the most part, I would say it's been good. It's been a good relationship. Hey, marriage is not easy. Marriage, I got an amen on that one. Some of the older people, I caught that one in the middle. Some of the young cats need to listen in to this, this wisdom in the middle. Um, hey, marriage ain't easy. 
Marriage is not easy. You, you have to work at it. I got four, three words that revolve around marriage. And, and we all say we're loving, right? Love, L-O-V-E, right? But if you're going to love, you got to do T-I-M-E. And if you're going to do T-I-M-E, you're going to have to W-O-R-K. You're going to have to work at it to invest time to get love. That's just the truth. You need to be involved in investing into your marriage. And when you do that, I promise you're going to have a great relationship. And it changes things. But hey, marriage ain't easy. You have to work at it. And when you do, you find yourself really in love. And four babies later for us. Well, you know, we're doing our part of go thee for and multiply of all generations. Let's just be honest. Hey, I love my wife. Come on now. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I know we're doing our part to train them upright. And we're blessed by those little M&Ms. And what can I say? I, I love my wife. But if, if you come to me, if you come to me and said, hey, man, I love what you're doing. I love you, Jason, Pastor Jason. Uh, man, I mean, I thank the world of you. I love what you're doing with Centerpoint. But, you know, your wife, eh, I really don't like her. I don't love her. I don't know. I don't know. She, she just, I don't know. How many of you know I'd probably have a problem with that statement, all right? I would probably defend my wife pretty quickly. Uh, I would listen to you at first, but then the next statement would I would just lean in and say, hey, listen, I think you're wrong. Um, uh, because you, you can't love me without liking or loving my wife. Because we're one and the same. We're partners. Uh, yet how many Christians have I met that say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church? I see them every day. I got people literally in churches around the town that will come to me, God, I grew up with. Man, I just don't like my church. I love Jesus. I love the, and I love the friendships. I love everything about it, but I'm just not in love with my church. I'm like, man, that, that's an internal problem right here. Bottom line. It's, a, it's an issue. And the millennials are running from it. I love Jesus. I believe in God, but I don't like the church. We don't even know what Gen Z is doing because Gen Z is the next group down, right? It's the next group down, and with, literally they're, they're running. Like, we don't even know what they're going to do because they're watching the millennials. Yet how many Christians have you met that says, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church? Hey, you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Hey, church is boring. Hey, church is full of hypocrites, and the truth is, hey, there's room for one more. So come on. Join us up here in the loft on Main. See, I think if we would just stop and reflect a little bit more on what we're saying and understanding of who, who we are in the churches, we would never say these things. Because if we were the bride of Christ, there would, there's no way to say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's like saying, I love Jesus, but I don't like your bride. Come on, that makes no sense. I know you don't have to go to church to be qualified as a Christian, but come on, come on, just lean in a little bit. Does it make any sense? If you love Jesus, you're a Christian. You should love the bride, which is church. You should want to go to church. You should want to be a part. You should want to serve. You should want to give. You should do everything your role is in the body of Christ to change the world because when the church changes the world, you have a healthy world. And You look around. 
Everybody complains about everything, what they see on Facebook, what they see on the news. Only people we got to blame, honestly, in my opinion, is we got to own our slice of the pie. And I can say, you know, as a pastor now, somebody in the church, hey, we got our own issues. We got to own it. We got things we got to work on. We need to go deeper into a relationship with God and following him through everything. Even though it's mucky and messy, we got to follow him through it because he's going to pull us through it. You see, I've also heard this statement before. Church is boring. I've even heard it up here sometimes. I'm like, come on, don't ever say that. Because church is you and me. I'm not boring. I think I'm pretty exciting to be around. I'm just being honest. It's fun. There's some people out here that I love to hang out with. I mean, they're, they're, I got a, a friend right there. He's a blind carpenter. It's the funnest thing in the world to hang out with him and play jokes on him. I mean, it's just fun. And listen to him. We, we talk about things. We even talked about using routers this morning. It's, it's just fun to hear their stories and, and invest and then listen, listen to his wife's story. And it's just awesome to listen to their kids' stories. It's awesome to be around. It's not boring. It's God moving in you. It's awesome to see, to hear just a story this morning of, 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 of a person sharing their story and someone coming to faith through sharing a story. That's not boring. That's, that's life. Do you not get excited when you go to the, the, the hospital and you, you, maybe you have a grandbaby and they're born and, and you're just, oh, this is, and you're just like, you, 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 I mean, it's like you cannot pry that baby away from grandma, right? You get excited. That's the way we should be around the church. It should be exciting. It's fun. You see, that, that's why we come to church, because we're in need of a Savior. Anybody is, is thankful that you serve a God who, who's, who's not a hypocrite, but you serve a God who, who came to save you, and he has always lived out what he said. He's not a hypocrite. He's not boring. He's changing the world one person at a time. You see, church is not a museum is what I figured out over time, too, for good people. Church is, is a hospital for broken people who are dying. Church is not a building that is established to maintain for years to come, to keep on maintenance track. Church is not an event we attend on the weekends, but church is God's people moving closer and being more devoted to Jesus every day together as we gather to change lives that change lives, starting with our own. As in the time left we got here, I'm just going to shoot this really quickly. I want to point out three quick reasons why I believe that you and I are called to be the bride of Christ and that we're stronger together and in this whole idea of we, not me. I really believe that the first reason why we're called to be the bride of Christ is, is God wants intimacy. He wants intimacy with you and I. Uh, out, of, out of all the things that we could uh, liken to, uh, we're likened to the bride, right? And, and I don't know if there's a more intimate relationship on the planet than a healthy marriage between a husband and a wife. God is trying to say that that's the type of relationship that I want with my church. And it begins with trust, and it begins when we trust with intimacy. It changes the relationship, and it goes places we dared not risk alone. I want and I love intimacy with my wife, and I believe that God calls us to be the bride because he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him in an intimate way. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. See, Paul will continue, and he'll say that Christ gave himself up for her, that, that we might be holy and blameless and blemish-free, wrinkle-free, 
that, that, that we would be a pure bride. See, I think the first reason that we're called to be the bride is for intimacy. But the second reason is God wants to protect us. God wants to protect us. As you read the text, that this is one of those controversial parts in Scripture because the Bible says, wives submit to your husbands. Now, 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 now notice it does not say a woman submit to men, and it does not say women submit to all husbands, but rather it says women submit to your husbands. And I see a lot of women get really upset about this sometimes, but come on, read the next part of the Scripture. It says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And if you can't find a man that's doing that in the first place, you shouldn't be married. I don't know who, who got the shorter end of the deal, though. Women, we have to submit to your husbands. But guess what? I have to die for you. I have to die for my wife. Girls just have to submit. Guys have to die. Either we both have a, re a responsibility here, or the question is, ladies, can you be a girl who's worthy of dying for? Can you be... Men, can you be a man who's worthy of submitting to? As we do this together, if we start to get this together as we family, man, this is going to be healthy, church. This is going to be good. If you mess with my wife, if you come bring harm to my wife, I am prepared to take you out. She is my wife. She is my bride. I will defend her because God gave her to me. I'm ready by all means and necessary to step in the middle and to protect my wife at all costs. She is my responsibility given to me by my Father in heaven, and I will do anything that is short of sinning to defend her, and I'm ready to die for if I have to. You see, this is, this is how God loves you. This is how God loves you, and God has so many different times stepped into the gap Many times you don't even know it. And it's not until we get to heaven, to the other side of eternity, that we find out just how many times God stepped into the gap and protected you. And that's why when we come to church, you don't have to wait for someone to pump you up. You don't have to wait for the worship team to play your favorite song. You ought to come into God's house, wherever it may be, the white picket fence out here on this old country road or in the loft on Main. It does not matter. It doesn't matter what style, what not. It matters about your heart and where you're in relationship with God. You ought to come into God's house and live up our holy hands and start worshiping God in a way with others that changes lives. Because you know God has shown up so many times and he stood in the gap for you this past week. And if you're honest, you know he did. Somewhere along the way, he stood in the gap and it started over 2,000 years ago when he died a sinner's death and protected us. We. He died for we. Now today, you are called spotless you are called blameless. You are called righteous, not because of what you have done, but, but because of what Jesus has done for you. You're a spotless, blemish-free bride, and it's called grace, and he has protected you. This last thing here is as Paul continues to write in the story, 
And this is what he continues to say, as an appointed time, a man will leave his mother and his father and he will be united to a woman and they will become one flesh. He said, this is, this is so profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about the, the Christ and the church. The first reason is intimacy. The second reason is protection. And the third reason, the third reason, finish it out strong, is because the bride is, is the reason that we have rights because of Jesus. We have rights because of Jesus. We have rights because of Jesus. Because we're one with Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, Romans chapter 8, he said, if you and I, if we're willing to share in Christ's suffering, then, then guess what? We'll also share in his glory. We'll also share in his glory. And I have good news for you today, church, because of Jesus, when you put your trust and your faith in him, all of a sudden you obtain the exact same rights as Jesus. Today you are, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. And when you pray prayers according to the book of James 5, 16, the brother of Jesus, by the way, the Bible says that prayers of a righteous man, they alleviate each other much more than we can ever imagine. Aren't you thankful today that you're not standing in your own righteousness but you're standing in the righteousness of Jesus you, you have the same rights as Jesus it's the bottom line for today is, is this when we get this right when we start to get this right, we start to move together and we become this, this vibrant bride moving and we, we honor her and we treat her with the respect that she deserves and, and we move as one. When we move and we start to do things together, not about me no more, the church is a movement of believers that makes a real difference in the world, not just temporarily, but for all eternity by simply following Jesus. You see, we are better together with Jesus at the center of everything. And he can influence the world in ways we dared not risk alone or try. Today, for some of these guys who are going public, they're going all in on this. They're wanting to be a part of this we movement of following in Jesus' footsteps, no longer living this selfish lifestyle, just coming to church and playing a Christian, that they want to make a difference in the world together as one. And I say, welcome. I say, welcome. And get ready, Lincoln. Man, I know you're young, but get ready. You're going to change the world, buddy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of each one of you. You're going through your own faces, your own things, and you're going to be the light of the world in somebody's life, not even today, but literally weeks to come because of your stories that you're being ready to be told right here. Somebody's going to come to faith simply because if you are bold enough to share the stories that you're getting ready to share on this screen. And I'm so proud of each one of you. And as we understand what the bribe looks like, my question is for the rest of us, is what does it mean? What does it mean to move? What does it mean to get up and go? What does it mean to surrender your life? What does it mean to seriously just, just take a step and trust God for the first time? Here at Centerpoint, what we like to do is we sing a song here for this next little bit. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a worship song. And we just ask you to move because that's what we're called to do. We're asked to move. We're asked to be obedient and step out in boldness. And so we're asking those guys there not to move. We're asking everybody else to move. And if you just sit there and worship the song, that's fine. But if you want to come and pray over these guys, that's your call. 
move, just be obedient to what God's asking you to do. Go pray over him, experience the love that God is trying to move in this moment to become the bride of Christ together. And when we do that, guess what happens? Jesus gets exalted. Light bulbs light up. And if you don't know the story of the light bulbs on the outside, all the light bulbs on the outside, those are people who have come to know faith in Jesus Christ because people were bold enough to take the first step, to step out and to trust God with a little thing called Centerpoint Church. Out there in that lobby, man, it's getting brighter and brighter. And man, I'm excited to say we're almost filled up one whole strand of light bulbs of 103 years. I'm, I'm pumped up about that. But it all starts with you. Where are you at, church? Where are you at, friends? Some of you just need to experience Jesus today, and I'm cool with that. Some of you just needed to take that first little step and say, you know what? That made sense, but I got some questions. I don't think I'm ready to do that, but I want to talk. I'm okay with that too. I just want the Holy Spirit to move in a way that allows you to take a first step. And whatever that first step is, just be obedient. And so pray with me. So Jesus, as we start to sing and we start to just to worship your name, I'm just asking for favor over whatever's going on in our hearts. May you just allow us to experience you in a way that really redefines our relationship. God, I'm asking for favor over these, these people who are going public with their faith. But more importantly, I'm asking for favor over the people here that are literally experiencing what God you are doing with the bride of Christ today, which is us which is we, we're, we're just a movement of people just trying to f- seek you and trust you with everything. And it's so hard because we have so many things. Sometimes it's consumerism. We, we, we just want, we have our desires, our earthly desires, but God, I'm just asking that we open those hands and just say, God, okay, here it is. It's no longer about me, but it's about everybody. It's about us. It's me and my relationship with you. It's about my heart. And I'm just asking for us to move in and, and take that first step of boldness. I pray over these people that are getting baptized today as they go public with their faith. Man, Satan's going to come fast and furious because he's ticked off. Man, things are going to happen this week in their families, and then he's, just, he's going to try to trip them up. He's going to come to steal, kill, and destroy is what my Bible says. I'm asking for a, not just a hedge of protection. I'm asking for literally a nuclear bunker of protection around them. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. But more importantly, Allow them to see the hope and love that you have for them and to take those next steps of boldness and go out and change the world. And may their story be the difference maker in somebody's life today. God, that's my prayer. And I'm thankful for what you're doing. In your holy and precious name, amen. Hey, we just ask you to do one thing. Be obedient. Pray over these people if you want to. Quietly proceed. Worship with us in the songs. But wherever you're at today, I'm just asking. Literally, that you take a step towards Jesus today.